In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark and Bemidji's podcast, a podcast with a tiny following and a big message. You may have noticed that our world seemed to be tearing itself apart. No matter where you are on the political spectrum, how you see yourself, or the world and all its affairs, things aren't going too well, are they? Nothing sits still for very long. The truths we hold today, well, they're the lies of tomorrow. Maybe you would be interested in taking a break from all of that. Maybe you'd like to come with me to a place where the truth has never changed. Where real folks with real life laws and real problems come to set aside the never-ending change of the world and their burdens and cares. They come to gather around a timeless truth of the one true God and His Word. To be served by that God, recharged so that they can face the realities outside that church door. They come to be supported by other people with love and understanding. So, if you want to, I'm asking you to come to church with me next Sunday, just like I might ask you to come and listen to a cool concert with me. You're not obligated to say or do anything. Just come and see what it's all about. You might find that you love it just as much as I do. Today's meditation comes to us from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11 and is the traditional reading for Palm Sunday, which is where the sermon for today came from. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphagia, around on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And now we join Pastor Zamzow for his sermon titled, His Final Steps Led to a Donkey. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, whose final steps we follow to the cross, Amen. Today our midweek services and our Sunday services meet. Uh, During our Wednesday midweek services, we've been following Jesus' footsteps. uh, The events that led up to and went into the final week of his life. Now we are here at the gates of Jerusalem and we see that his final steps led to a donkey. Yep. A donkey. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples telling them, Go to the village ahead of you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied there along with her colt, and tie them and bring them to me. Why does it matter 
Why does it matter that Jesus' final steps lead to this donkey and this colt? If you think about it, it seems like a rather obscure detail. One that we've put a lot of emphasis on over over the course of church history, but if you really study it, you realize that the people of that day didn't get it. Even Jesus' disciples thought that he was going to be an earthly king. They didn't understand this. They couldn't wrap their minds around it. What does it mean that that the king is going to ride in on a donkey? Why does it matter? In this incident where the disciples are told to borrow this donkey for Jesus, did it really need to happen in this way? Because it all seems so strange. It seems so strange. Because today, Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus is the king they wanted. But we know how it ends. By the end of the week, he's the king that nobody wants. And the shouts turn from Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David to crucify, crucify all the way to Golgotha where that sign is tacked above his head. Jesus Nazareth Rex Judaioi, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. In our minds, we can understand certain prophecies. Certain prophecies made in the Old Testament. We get why Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus being born of a virgin matters. It's a marker of the Messiah. It's this totally supernatural thing that a virgin would become pregnant and give birth to a son. Isaiah wrote this 600 years before Christ. It was to be a marker of his coming. We can understand why him being a a prophet, or excuse me, a prophecy being, being made about him being David's heir matters. Because about a thousand years, God had told King David, the Savior will come from your line. We get those big ticket prophecies and they're the ones that stand out for us. Really, if you think about it, who cares how Jesus gets to Jerusalem? Whether it be by horse or by camel or on foot, just get Him there. In our own minds, it might even, we might even start to think better that he snuck into the city. It would have caused less confusion. What does it matter that his final steps led to a donkey? But isn't that just so like us? To want God to take care of the big ticket items in life? Or to think that He only takes care of the big ticket or pays attention to the big ticket items in life. On the one hand, either we're tempted to believe, yeah, um, you know, God took care of the big stuff, but I can handle the little things. Or we think that there are some gray areas in our life that are beyond God's care. Or that there's places in our life that escape His view. Or that He doesn't really care about. We know, sure, okay, I'm not supposed to steal that woman's purse. 
I'm not supposed to physically kill anybody. I'm not supposed to commit adultery or hurt my neighbor. But what about my occasional foul mouth or rounding third base with my significant other? Does he really care about that? We didn't go home, so to speak. What about driving 15 miles an hour over the speed limit on occasion to get from point A to point B a little bit quicker? Or what about driving two or three beers over the limit occasionally? Well, no harm, no foul. I made it, right? Just little details, things that God doesn't really care about. Nothing that certainly could be described as evil. We have a God of the details. Jesus said to His disciples on that first Easter evening after He had risen from the dead, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about Me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Everything. Every last prophecy, no matter how seemingly insignificant, would be completed by Jesus. Even this one made 500 years ago by Zechariah, as Matthew is keen to point out, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Tell Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king comes to you humble and riding on a donkey on a colt. The foal of a donkey. So what does it tell us if our Savior's final steps are completed? Down to the letter. Well, for one thing, it shows us that when Jesus cries out, as we will hear on Friday, when He cries out, it is finished, He meant it. No doubt, no questions asked. There are no gray areas of our life that God doesn't care about. There's nothing that He didn't do that God said do. There's no path that the Heavenly Father led Him down that He was unwilling to go down or didn't go down. There is nothing that is beyond His purview. And in fact, it's our arrogance about sinning. Our foolishness in thinking that He doesn't care about the little stuff. Those very things, those quote-unquote minor details are the very thing that put Him on a cross. But also, this minor detail about a donkey, this minor detail about a donkey is completed, the fact that it's completed and it's done in its own way fills a Christian with confidence that there isn't a single thing that he didn't come to complete that He didn't come to do. There's nothing either too great or too small for Him to forgive. There's nothing that He doesn't pay attention to. He hasn't simply taken care of the major sins in life. There's a a rather famous, I guess you could say, in in some other church bodies, uh, they, they teach that Jesus removed our sins and that's like taking the nails out of a board. If you pull the nails out of a board, what's still there? The holes. you got to fill in the holes. Jesus took away the, the, the sins. He took out the, the things that were digging in you. But you got to fill in the gaps in those areas. No, that's not how the Bible speaks at all. Jesus came to complete it. Pull the nails and fill the gaps. If He had left that to us, Wouldn't doubt surely consume us even about the littlest sins? 
the smallest white lies. We don't have a God of generalities or big ticket sins. We don't have a God of gen- yeah, or a God who is just simply taking care of the big ticket sins. If you think about all the little sins of foul language or uncharitable acts or lust or little white lies your whole life through, even those things pile up. And we'd be scrambling on our deathbed if we thought to ourselves and wondered, has God forgiven me for those words that I said? Have I treated my spouse well enough or Have I spoken enough truth for all the lies that I've told? We'd be filled with angst, wondering if the result of our most, what the result of our most insignificant sins would be. Did my words and actions make somebody think Christians believed that this or that sin was okay? Did an errant word drive somebody away from Christ or from the church? Did those quote-unquote little things, those little sins I did, give somebody the impression that my faith, it doesn't really matter, but it's just a formality. It's just something that I'm supposed to do. And it doesn't really mean that much to me. A sin causes guilt no matter how small it is. No matter how insignificant it is. And if you take time to think about it, it can lead one down some pretty dark rabbit holes. Wondering if the word, the least of our words or actions has caused someone to fall into sin or turned a neighbor away from knowing who Jesus is. And so, brothers and sisters, as we begin Holy Week and Lent proper, it's for good reason that this time of the year is a season of repentance. And we have had ample opportunity on Sundays and on Wednesdays to examine our lives and see where it is we've fallen short in ways great and small. And that's the purpose of the law. That's the purpose of God's law, to show us our sin and to make us aware of it. I heard a, I guess you could call it, kind of a cute story about a a little kid in in first year catechism class. I don't know, maybe I've shared this with you before, but they're going through the commandments and they think they got to the eighth one and he said something like, man, I sin a lot. I thought that sin was just the the big stuff like killing people or stealing a lot of money. But you get to that eighth commandment, you shall not uh, spread, uh, give false testimony against your neighbor. Man, I sin a lot. Or we hear what St. Paul says in Romans where he says, if it weren't for the law, I wouldn't have known what coveting is. And indeed, I don't think any of us would. What in the world is coveting? We just spent two lessons talking about that in catechism class. It's the law that makes us conscious of sin. And so we know that it's not about our ability to fulfill it or to fill in the gaps or to pick up the minor details that maybe God left behind by sitting there crying yourself to sleep at night, guilty over something that you did years ago or maybe even that morning. It's not how long you beat yourself up over a certain sin or how many tears you've shed. It's not your ability to sit down and try to enumerate every little thing that you did wrong. No, leave the details of those things to the God of details. 
Learn to love your Savior Jesus. Learn to love Him more as we see just how much we need Him. And just how much He's forgiven us. And just how detail-oriented our God is that we might stand confident that we are indeed fully and freely forgiven. So yes, it is incredibly important that our Savior's final steps led to a donkey. And that this 500-year-old prophecy was fulfilled. Because if it wasn't, if this ancient prophecy was missed, how much endless doubt would there be about who Jesus is? Well, He did this, this, and this, but He didn't do that. And it said He was going to do that, but He didn't. But He did. And so we can stand confident that He rode into that city Jerusalem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that indeed He is David's heir, the Messiah, and the Savior that we all need. The Savior for everybody. From the little child praying for her puppy dog to the young man or woman who is overwhelmed or troubled with the events of their life or for the husband or wife that is holding their, their spouse's hand in the final hours of their life asking that Jesus would take them home. There's nothing that, that doesn't escape God's purview. Every single thing was completed by Jesus down to the letter. For you and for me. So rejoice, daughter Zion. Your king comes to you riding on a donkey. And it does carry him through the gate of Jerusalem under the cries of Hosanna, Hosanna, save, save. And that's exactly what he intended to do. His father's work, down to the letter. Every I dotted, every T crossed so that the gospel of peace can be preached to every corner of the earth with absolute unwavering confidence and certainty. He didn't miss a single detail, not a single prophecy, not a single step, even one to a donkey when it came to taking away the sins of the whole world. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day.
He, because I could not pay it, gave my full redemption price. Do I need His treasures many? I have one worth more than any. That brought me salvation free, lasting to eternity.